This is Because I Said So, parenting advice with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Roseman, syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved. From American Family Radio, here's your host, John Roseman. Hello out there in American Family Radio land. Welcome to the show. I'm John Roseman, your host. The show is called Because I Said So. As the name implies, we are all about child rearing. I will immediately apologize for the fact that I have a bit of congestion today. I hope it does not interfere significantly with your listening pleasure. So I'd like to begin this show by uh, sharing with you, my listening audience, an email that I recently received from someone somewhere in America who told me rather sternly in a reprimanding tone, in other words, that in both my newspaper column, which is syndicated in, a, in about 250 newspapers around the country, Atlanta, Buffalo, places east, west, north, south of those places, and my radio show, this radio show, that I am spending too much time on the issue of children, teenagers, and smartphones, and that I need to accept that smartphones are here to stay and that children are going to have them and that uh, I should move on and figure out something else to talk about. Well, uh, number one, I've got a lot to talk about. There's a lot to talk about when one subject is the raising of children. Uh, Number two, one cannot talk these days enough about the issue of smartphones and children and teenagers because this issue, the the smartphone in the hands of children and teens, is uh, causing America's children tremendous problems. We are in the midst of, according to the best research and the best researchers out there, We are in the midst of a growing child and teen mental health crisis that began to spike in the year 2011, which is when smartphones began to proliferate among children and teenagers. Now, as many of you probably know, correlation does not prove causation. But there is plenty of supportive evidence that would uh, lead to the conclusion that, indeed, a significant portion of this mental health crisis is, in fact, linked to smartphone use on the part of children and teens. So, no, I, uh, I don't accept and I will not accept that smartphones are here to stay and children are going to have them and I should move on. This subject to me can't be talked about enough. Now, I'm not intending to repeat myself over and over and over again, but I do intend in my public presentations all over America, this radio show and my newspaper column, to hammer on this subject as much as possible. And uh, here's what I'd like to say right off the bat. The research is clear that uh, cell phone use, not cell phone, excuse me, 
there is a distinction. Smartphone use among children and teenagers is inducing changes into their developing brains. It is skewing, in effect, their brain development in very, very untoward ways. In other words, disadvantageous ways. Uh, Number two, the evidence is clear that smartphone use is addictive, and the addictive effect may have something to do with the changes in the brain that these instruments induce that I mentioned moments ago. Number three, we are seeing linked to cell phone use a rise in a dramatic rise in the female teenage suicide rate. Number four, we are seeing a dramatic rise in the child and teen depression rate, uh, the uh, rate of mental health issues like anxiety, social phobias. Along those lines, there is clear evidence that smartphone usage is interfering with the development of proper pro-social behavior. There is growing evidence that smartphone use is linked to underperformance academically. So, no, uh, I'm going to keep hammering on the issue. And uh, here's what I'd like to say right off the bat. If you are a parent and you are listening to this show today and you don't want to deal with this issue because your child has a smartphone and you are too afraid of your child to take that smartphone put it in the driveway, smash it with a sledgehammer, and never allow your child until he can afford one himself, number one. Number two, can afford the monthly bills. And number three, is no longer living in your home or on the premises of your home. If you don't want to do that, then uh, I would suggest you turn off this radio show right now. Because what I have to say, now you need to turn it off now because I'm about to say what I have to say. I'm going to say that if you listen to the show and you continue to allow your child to have a smartphone, not a cell phone. I have no problem with cell phones and I'll deal with that in a minute. But if you allow your child to have a screen-based smartphone, like an Apple iPhone, a Samsung, whatever that phone is, whatever, smartphone, after listening to the show, then you are being irresponsible. You may not be an irresponsible parent, but there is a difference between being an irresponsible parent and acting irresponsibly, even though, generally speaking, you are a responsible parent. And let me make that very clear. If you listen to the show and you do not take your child's cell phone and destroy it, Uh, smartphone and not allow him to have another one until he can pay for it himself, pay the monthly bill and is no longer living on your premises, then you are acting irresponsibly. And when I said earlier that if you are too afraid of your child, this is what's happening in America today, folks. The parent is afraid of the child. And that's a whole nother issue. But I mean, this is one of the things that people my age clearly, clearly see. Why do we see it? Because when we were growing up, we were afraid of our parents. Now, this was not terror. We did not uh, wet ourselves when our parents walked into the room. 
We did not shrink away from our parents if they went to hug us, but we were afraid in the biblical sense of our parents, in the sense that in Proverbs it says, fear of the Lord is, and then it describes a benefit to the person who is in possession of fear of the Lord. And notice, if you read those scripture, that there is always benefit. It's not to the individual who is afraid. There is no benefit to God described in those scripture. It says that all of the benefit accrues to the person who is afraid. It's the beginning of knowledge and wisdom, will save you from the snares of death, and so on and so forth. And the same is true of a child who is afraid of his or her parents. This is a wonderful blessing. And again, I'm not talking about a child who is mortally afraid of parents who terrorize him emotionally and physically. I am not talking about that. I am talking about a child whose respect and awe for his parents is such that it can be accurately described as fear. And everybody in my generation will tell you, um, I say everybody, there might be a few people out there of my age who would not report this, but they would certainly be very, very few and very, very far between. We will all tell you that we were afraid of our parents and we were afraid of our teachers and we were afraid of our principal and we were afraid of the police, and we were afraid of uh, adults in general. These people wielded a power in our lives that we could not understand. And of course, we couldn't understand it because we were children and we did not wield that power. And when you don't wield power in a relationship, you don't quite understand how it is that the other person is able to do so. And in this case, In the overwhelming majority of cases, the parents in question wielded this power in a very calm, non-threatening way. And today, people my age notice that uh, the worm has completely turned to the detriment of all concerned. Today, the parent is afraid of the child. And I dare say, especially the female parent. Why the female parent? Because the female parent has been more vulnerable to psychological propaganda, and the female parent, because she herself is a more feeling-based individual, is far more likely than the male parent to ascribe significant meaning to a child's emotional outbursts. And this is one of the things psychology did when we began listening to people in the mental health professionals in the 1960s tell us how to raise kids. It created the the impression that the best parent out there was the parent who could best understand and best respond to a child's feelings. And folks, women are feeling-oriented, not men. And that is certainly not a criticism. It is simply a fact. So uh, we're coming up on a break, and uh, if you want to, if you're a newbie to the show and you want to find out more about me and my parenting ministry around the country, uh, you can go to John Rosemond, J O H N R O S E M O N D 
D, that's a D on the end, dot com. And check out my upcoming speaking schedule, my bookstore, etc., etc., etc. And I'll be right back after this break. Please stay with us. It'll only get more provocative. So welcome back to the show, and if you're just joining us, I'm going to talk about smartphones today, and I said earlier that if you listen to the next 13 minutes of this program, the second segment of this program, and uh, your child currently has a smartphone, and immediately after listening to or within, you know, I'm going to give you, I'm going to be liberal, I'm going to give you eight hours, within eight hours of listening to this show, Uh, You do not confiscate your child's smartphone, smash it to bits, and inform your child that the next smartphone he possesses will be possessed when he is no longer living on your premises and can afford it himself, then you are being irresponsible. I talked in the first half of the show of the mental health crisis that is developing, the child mental health crisis that is spiking in America, and how this is clearly linked to the use of smartphones among children and teenagers. And here's what's amazing to me. I mean, this is just, it's mind-boggling. The research is out there on the internet. I mean, that's one of the one of the benefits of the Internet is the fact that you can type in something like a smartphone use, child mental health statistics, and up comes the research. Much of it, by the way, done by a psychologist at the University of California. Her name is Jean Twenge. And to be very honest with you, and I cannot find anywhere on the internet, a pronunciation of her name. It's T-W-E-N-G-E. Whether it's Twenge or Twenge is a mystery to me. But anyway, she has, in fact, written an article recently published in The Atlantic, which tends to be a very, very liberal publication. But in this case, I recommend the article the article is called, Has the Smartphone Destroyed a Generation? Not, by the way, is it destroying, but has it already destroyed? And the answer that psychologist Jean Twenge, that's the way I'm going to pronounce it, comes to after looking at this issue very closely is, yes, the smartphone has virtually destroyed a generation of kids. Psychologist Jean Twenge writes in The Atlantic that we are on the brink of the worst child mental health crisis ever, and we are just beginning to see the severity of the problem. She says that the arrival of the smartphone has radically changed every aspect of teenagers' lives from the nature of their social interactions to their mental health. Along the lines of their social interactions, you would have to be a hermit 
not to have seen up close and personal what the smartphone has done to the social behavior of the child and young teenager. I was waiting outside a restaurant recently. The restaurant was very crowded. It was Sunday after church, and uh, I was with a group of people. And these people were my age and younger, and we were all talking. There was a group of young people in their, I would say, mid to late teens uh, standing close by, five or six, and none of them were talking. They were standing in a group. It was obvious that they all knew one another, but they all had their smartphones out. They all had their faces buried in their smartphones, none of them talking to one another. I have seen young couples go into restaurants, be seated, take out their cell phones and start looking at their cell phones and not talking to each other. If if someone thinks that this is not indicative of damage being done to the development of social skills, appropriate social skills in young people, uh, truly, you are simply wrong. Social skills are like any other skill. They have to be exercised in order to develop properly. You do not exercise proper social skills, and proper skills, social skills do not develop. It's as simple as that. The Center for Disease Control released a study recently that found that suicide rates among teenage girls are at a 40-year high, And the most obvious culprit is the power and influence of social media. As uh, one, another writer puts it, vulnerable, puts it very well. Vulnerable girls already prone to insecurity or depression are fueling their psychic pain with a constant stream of comparison. Folks, you know, I hate to sound like a uh, some you know backwoods hyper fundamentalist preacher, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that I really do believe that smartphone addiction among children and young te- teenagers, not just young teens, is truly a form of demonic possession. I mean, Satan could not have come up with a more brilliant way of destroying America's children than putting the smartphone idol center stage in their lives. Here's another statistic, a longitudinal study done by the National Institute on Drug Abuse found that, quote, teens who spend more time than average on screen activities are more likely to be unhappy, that's called depressed, and those who spend more time than average on non-screen activities are more likely to be happy. But in the midst of all this, people just don't seem to get it. They just don't seem to get it. I'm amazed at people who will say, oh, self, you know, smartphones are really bad and, uh, uh, you know, they're causing a, a an addiction and chemical changes in the brain and structural changes to the brain during 
a critical period in brain development, early adolescence, in other words, and uh, they're interfering with the development of proper social skills, and they're connected to a spiking suicide rate among young teenage girls, and on and on and on. You know, everybody, it seems, with a functioning brain admits there is no benefit to a teen other than the benefit of having one, having what everybody else has, and not feeling like you're the odd duck. That is the only benefit of having a smartphone. Everybody agrees that the disadvantages outweigh the advantages, and yet people just don't seem to get it. What is the solution? Take the smartphone away. Do not, if your child already has one, or do not ever allow your child to have one. But John, people say, this is the way they communicate. What? (laughs) No. Please allow me to explain. I know of young teens and teens who don't have smartphones. They have friends. They have an active social life. I have never, and and people, because they know my position on smartphones, people share with me these sorts of anecdotes all the time. In other words, the, John, I won't allow my child to have a smartphone, I'm taking your advice, and he can have one when he can afford one and is no longer living here. And uh, my teen is happy, upbeat, active, has a lot of pursuits, hobbies, has a lot of friends, and is doing well in school, is liked by his teachers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is the story, inevitably, not some of the time, but all of the time. All of the time. Now, granted, people, I'm dealing with a select population, obviously. But these reports, nonetheless, have to mean something. And they mean that smartphones are not essential to the successful life of a child or a teenager. Take it away. Don't allow your child to have one. If you want him to be able to get in touch with you in certain situations, buy a simple flip phone that does nothing but make calls and receive calls. You can still get them at Walmart and hand that to him when you want him to be able to communicate with you. I say people aren't getting it because I was recently sent a blog post by a guy who, whom I happen to know, and I'm not going to mention his name, who went through all the research, you know, all the stuff, the depression, the suicide, the, the mental health crisis, et cetera, et cetera, and ends his blog post by recommending that you remind your children that smartphone use, having a smartphone, is a privilege, not a right. Huh? Excuse me? You've just detailed the horrors 
that are occurring to a generation of kids because of smartphone use, and you want parents as a solution to tell their children, now remember, this is a privilege, not a right. No, the solution, folks, is to not let your child have one. This is what I mean by people just don't seem to get it. And it seems like people are so afraid of children these days that they just can't bring themselves to take that smartphone away. Anyway, this is, for me anyway, the, the fastest half hour in my life. We're coming right up on the end. Glad you could join us. I'm here on American Family Radio every Saturday at 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Central. Glad you could join us and hope you join us again and again and again. God bless you all. 